Welcome to episode 48 of the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fountas, with Eric Sanchez. Eric, how was your day going? So far, so good. Yeah? Nothing yeah. crazy? Nope, nothing crazy. Got here on time. Good. Yeah, you did. You were a little early, from what I thought. Yeah. Today's show, guys, we're going to be talking about the Intercontinental Championship, some of our favorite matches, some of our favorite champions, a little bit of the history of it, and yeah, we'll see where it goes, and I'm sure we'll spiral off into a million topics like we generally do. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow us on Twitter, guys, we're at PPW Podcast. Please give us a follow, tweet us, and we will tweet you back, and we'll talk. And I love all the interaction on there. And yeah, if you follow us, we'll follow you at PPW Podcast. There you go. Uh, Positively Processing Podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And PPWpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to support the show, you can head to whatamaneuver.net. Pick up our, our I Never Complain Online t-shirt, and if you buy one, you can come on the show or tell us a show topic, and those t-shirt sales go directly to paying for the server cost every month to make the show for free for you guys. I thought about like putting a poll out, like if we did a Patreon for like a dollar, would you sign up? And I'm like, I couldn't offer anything extra to anybody for a Patreon. A what? You don't know what Patreon is? No. Really? So I'm Pat- sure nobody does. <laughs> no, uh, Patreon is really popular, especially among podcasts. Okay. Basically, it's a donation thing. You know, it's it's you go to patreon.com slash podcast. Oh, okay. And you would donate you would donate a dollar a month or five dollars or whatever it is a month. And there's different tiers based on what you donate. So like a GoFundMe or something like a that. A little where you bit. Kind of have rewar- rewards. Yeah, but I'm like I don't know what rewards I could provide you guys. Other than I was thinking of like maybe I do like a monthly raffle of random wrestling crap that I have or that I find <laughs> out there. Like I've so I like exclusive to the people that donated. Yeah, so I have like double like I have like old VHS tapes or old like I have a broken Macho Man figure of Hasbro or just like mm-hmm. junk. Like if you like wrestling junk, so if you guys want me to do that, I will. I'll set yeah. up a, a Patreon and then the reward will be monthly raffle of junk, of wrestling junk. <laughs> it's treasure. Come on. Yes, it is. It's awesome stuff. And I think that I think some of the listeners of our show. I mean, you didn't buy it. Because it was junk. You bought it because you thought it was awesome. No, but I, I was telling you before the show started, like I was at Target and they had the Wild Samoans Hall of Fame set on clearance for like nine bucks. Yeah. And I didn't buy it, but if it was like a Patreon where I'm like, oh yeah, I'll buy this and give this, this away. Okay. I, I don't want it. All right, that makes sense. But it's just stuff I find, like clearance stuff or, or whatever. What about Vibrator Sting? No way, that's mine. <laughs> okay. Vibrator Sting is mine. <laughs> or old, you know, anything. Like I, I go to thrift stores, sometimes I'll find wrestling junk or, yeah. or whatever, like random crap, like a, a a uh, plaque of Shawn Michaels or whatever. All right. Something chunk. So if you guys want to, at PPW Podcast, let me know, and I will for sure go ahead and do that for you. I want to give a couple of shout-outs to people that were cool enough to write us reviews uh, on our podcast. And Eric and I were talking right before the show started. He goes, you know, I'm really glad people like listening because I feel like we're just sitting in your room rambling to each other. <laughs> and like, no, well, really- I said I'm, I'm 
happy that people enjoy what we're talking about. You know, you didn't think they did. You were worried about that. I was. I never really thought about it until I started reading. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> well, so here's what I think. Like when I when I made the show and the show that we do have out there, mm-hmm. if this was someone else doing the show, I would enjoy listening to it because it's just. Granted, we have topics, but we go off on like tangents of stories of our past wrestling stuff or right. or current wrestling stuff and how it's like how this goofy world of predetermined sports, you know, yeah. comes into our lives. And that's why I like some of the shows I listen to, like The Lapsed Fan or the uh, Our Vantage Point podcast or Greetings from Allentown podcast. They're, those are just fun shows to listen to about, you know, just ridiculous wrestling stuff. Yeah. Uh, speaking of those those guys, so we've got a couple reviews and the OV, OVP podcast gave us five stars on iTunes. Thank you, guys. They are, their review was good. Reminiscing with a light touch and breezy feel. <laughs> uh, one guy, I don't know, it's is that a shirt? Breezy feel. Yeah, <laughs> it's a new wrestler. Uh, one guy wrote fun, five stars. That's fair. And another one from Mark Caruso and two-time PPW podcast giveaway winner. And he says, I've been listening to the show since day one. It's been awesome to see the show improve in progress and what has become today. So I guess we sucked at the beginning. Do you think that's because he won stuff? Maybe. Or it could be because I asked everyone to write reviews for me. Okay. Uh, Host Steve and Eric are really knowledgeable and personable. I mean, I'm knowledgeable. You're personable. Right. I feel like I've gained two friends more so than listening to you guys talk wrestling. Even the guests are great, like Carrie, KB, indie wrestlers like Delilah Doom and Eli Everfly. I wish every wrestling fan could be this positive about pro wrestling. Thank you guys for those reviews. If you give us more reviews, I'd really appreciate that. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, I think that's the advantage we have. What's Being that? positive, talking about the good stuff. And that was kind of the spin I wanted to take on it, because there's a million fan podcasts out there, and some are pretty good, like the Ringside Podcast, and yeah. some are just iffy, you know, and some are or whatever, and some are feel like they're talking through a tin can because they don't invest in a, a microphone. I was listening to, I mean, he's a household name, and he's one of the big stars, but he was doing a couple podcasts, actually a couple of guys I've listened to, mm-hmm. and they do sound like a tin can when they do stuff that's like backstage. Yeah. It sounds terrible like they're recording it on those old uh cassette tapes yeah <laughs> with the record button <laughs> yeah and that's the biggest thing too is is getting audio equipment when i did the ringside podcast uh dan spencer he has like a mixer and like mm-hmm. he, so his is pretty like advanced and he has a little more experience in this than i do yeah. we just got a couple mics in, in garage band but i also encourage everyone to listen to start their own podcast because at the very least you'll have an excuse to talk wrestling with your friends once a week or whatever you want to talk about right we were going to talk about something else before we got into the show. I forgot what it was. I don't remember. Oh, well. We got the greatest Royal Rumble. It's, it's Friday, so we got the greatest Royal Rumble starting at about, it started about an hour ago. So we're going to finish this show up and watch and, and settle in for the greatest Royal Rumble. You mentioned uh, starting, your, starting your own podcast. Yeah. I saw a meme out there. It says, uh, I don't know if you've seen this one. He's like, hey, man, let's start our own podcast this is the millennials way of, hey, let's start a band. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, the one thing after it was after WrestleMania, I think this year, and someone put on Twitter, like, um, you're walking on Bourbon street right now. Little do you know, you're surrounded by everyone who had like a million people who have raw recap podcast shows <laughs> <laughs> and they might, you know, yeah. uh, there's, there's a bunch of positivity I've gotten just through Twitter and through the podcast world. So just thanks. And. I don't have time to list. I do have time to list everybody, but nobody wants to hear that. So we'll we'll just continue going here with this week's show. Yeah. So we got the Intercontinental Championship. When I was a kid, I liked the Intercontinental Wicks Champion 
like a lot, it like meant a lot to be the IC title holder. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with, I think, when we were kids in the late 80s through the early 90s, Hogan was pretty much the only champ. So it was Hogan and like a couple other people that were the champs, like Macho Man and, and Warrior for a little bit there. But everyone else, like they all fought for the IC title, especially yeah. if you were a good guy. Other than Warrior, if you were a good guy going after Hogan, it didn't happen. You know, mm-hmm. you your title was the IC title. So I don't know how you felt growing up, but for me, that was the biggest title belt to get for my favorite wrestlers. Yeah, I knew the world title because I started watching when Hogan was champ. I think everybody did. Yeah. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people our age. He was the champ, so he wasn't on TV as much. If he was, it was might have been a Saturday Night's main event, but it wasn't like a primetime. Or, or like an interview, interview segment. He never yeah, wrestled. Yeah, like he wasn't in the ring. Right, him wrestling on TV was a big deal. Yeah, so um, tag teams, I really like tag teams. I like Intercontinentals like um, or championships, so I thought those were fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, w- with this... The Intercontinental, what was the first Intercontinental Champion that you can remember? Like, who was the first champ you remembered? Uh, it was Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Going into WrestleMania. WrestleMania no, 6? No, no, Because before him, it was the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. So would it have been Honky Tonk? No. Or Macho Man? No, I started, I, I really got into it. It was probably Warrior, but then I didn't really, really get into it until, uh, like, fall of 1990. So, Mr. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Perfect for me was my first guy I remembered. And then when Bret Hart beat him at SummerSlam 91, that was the first time I was like, okay, Bret's legit. Like, yeah. he beat, he's got the IC title now yeah. in, in that match. So that was like, and 91 was when I have a lot of clear memories of watching. So that's why it's like a sweet spot for me, 91, 92, of, of being a fan. But that is when I could clearly remember, okay, these are the guys for the next generation going forward of, yeah. of stars. And Bret Hart was kind of leader of it, even though he was just an IC champ. Mm-hmm. Hogan was a bit on his way out. You know, Flair came in, which was kind of odd to me. I didn't know who he was. But Bret was like the guy being the IC champ. Uh, I guess we could just get started on... We did. We, we both did this <clears> like a couple different ways. I just listed a bunch of matches I liked. And you had a little, I, a little bit different, like some lesser-known matches... And yeah, what some, I, I I went through and I picked like five guys that I really thought <clears throat> that I really liked as a kid and growing up, and then the more recently, I think the Miz has been really awesome. Yeah, I agree. Continental Championship. Sure, he's lost a lot of times, but the way that he wins is either by deception, by um, being distractions, like stuff like that, or cheating. Like, yeah, it seems like a crappy way to win, but. He's so charismatic, and all the different things he's done while he's been the champion, like the Mizdow stuff. Um, Speaking of which, I saw something on Reddit. Uh-huh. It says, now is the perfect time for Damian Mizdow to come back <laughs> and the Miztourage to follow him around, oblivious to the fact that's not actually the Miz. Yeah. Let's, that would be come fun. Come on, let's do it. That, <laughs> that is would be fun. fun. Let's do it. Get on it, WWE. And then uh, with Maurice coming back, like, and then you got the Miztourage. So all of those outside factors yeah. add to his persona. And he's just such a good promo with Miz TV. Mm -hmm. In ring, like, he's good. I don't think he's, like, the best, but he carries the match. Um, He'll make you care about his matches. Yeah, right. Before they start, at least, Mm -hmm. which is important. So, of everybody, Miz is the more recent one, but all the other ones that I picked were kind of from my childhood, my teenage years. Like, I picked, all right, so top five, I have Ultimate Warrior, Mr. Perfect. Is this, like, any particular order? Like, your top five champs? No, okay. No. Um, Go ahead, I'm sorry. What did I say? Perfect. Perfect uh, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and The Miz. Those are the five that I got. So as I was going through, I 
there's a website out there. I think History WWF or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you can go through and look at just every match that they've had on live events, um, taped events, um, stuff that they did for that got uh, added to primetime wrestling or uh, Coliseum videos and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I went through all that stuff. It was interesting to see how many times, say, well, I, I was telling you, like, Bret Hart wrestled the Warlord, like, six months, four or five times a, a week. Like, yeah. Just Warlord, Warlord. I, every time I'm clicking. Cause I just, how was Bret winning those matches, did it say? Um, he was pinning him, or um, Warlord would get DQ'd, or yeah. I mean, it always it was always Bret Hart. No sharpshooter. <laughs> um, I don't know. I didn't look at that. Okay. Um, but there was stuff like that, and then uh, some of the ones that I saw, like going against uh, Mr. Perfect and Shawn Michaels and Bret, a lot was Roddy Piper at the house shows. Like there weren't a lot yeah. of pay per views, um, but Mr. Perfect and Roddy Piper were going at it on the live shows. Yeah, I could see those because at the time when back in these days in the nineties, like the house shows were where they made all their money because there was only four pay per views yeah. a year. So you want to have these big stars on house shows, and I think that's the problem a lot of people have now with Lesnar being the Universal Champ. Like I don't have a problem with Lesnar not being on TV because when he is there, it makes it seem more special that the champ is there. Because yeah. Hogan never wrestled on superstars or primetime wrestling or whatever, right? But he was on every house show type of thing. He was drawing the crowds. And not that it matters to me if Lesnar's on house shows because I'm not going to house shows. But that's kind of the – they're not – it's not an apples-to-apples apples argument between Lesnar and Hogan because Hogan was out every week yeah. doing the house shows, doing the Make-A-Wish, doing all that stuff. You know, And Lesnar, right. good for him. He could do whatever he wants. You know, he negotiated what he negotiated. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, but it is more special, it feels like, when Lesnar's, in, Lesnar's there. Right. Whereas I think when the champ's there every week – and when they're defending their title on like Raw every week, gets a little watered down. But I, I, I'm okay with the Lesnar not being their every week champion type of thing. Right. Speaking of those titles, I don't know if you saw. I posted on Twitter. There's now an Elite Series belt replica belt for sale, two grand. Really? Yes. It, they it says it's basically like the exact same one that the wrestlers have. It's real leather. So it's not made in China. It's actually like a belt maker. It's on WWEshop.com. Oh, okay. I could look it up right now and tell you it's made in China. Because <laughs> a lot of those, I mean, they're replicas, but they're, I don't, I don't think they're. The... No, this is WWE Shop, the Elite Series. And I'm speaking of WWE Shop, hurry up and get your WrestleMania stuff on clearance. I got my eye on a couple shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, title belts. So they've got one for the world and one for the universal. Okay. Yeah, Here, Elite Series that. replica title, $1,999.99. And signatures required upon delivery. It says, the closest thing I must have. So this elite replica features 383 princess cut cubic zirconia hands set to perfection. Cubic zirconia? Yeah. So those little in the belt are cubic zirconia. Um, it, the total cubic zirconia weight is six, three, 635 carats. Is that good? No. Each plate is fastened. Um, top grain genuine leather straps make you look and feel like the real thing. It's six pounds. Holds up to a 46-inch weights. Um, the plate thickness is 0.28. Let me see if it says where it's made. I'm guessing China. I can't really tell. All right, zoom in. Yep, made in China. <laughs> Man, what a letdown. But, yeah, apparently someone's going to buy it, and someone's going to go on YouTube and make a review of it, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Anyway, back to the IC title. <laughs> Somebody with a lot of money. Yes. I wonder if Zack Ryder's going to buy it. Maybe. I don't know if he has record, but he just has toys. That's not a toy. The first match 
that was like my big intercontinental match that I remember mm-hmm. the most was Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper from Summer or from Summer from WrestleMania Eight. Okay. Uh, this one, I funny. I'm sure I've told this story on the show before, but when I was supposed to watch this WrestleMania live, I was in eighth or second grade, and it was a Sunday, and my mom for some reason was like, and they're all always on Sunday. I was like, you got school in the morning, you're not going to your because my dad's friend in a black box, so you're not going to watch it. Like I threw a fit, you know. Like, I want to go, I want to go, and like tantrum and all this stuff. And I didn't go, but I had my dad call my dad's friend to get like live results. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad called. He's like, Bret Hart beat Roddy Piper. I was like, yes. I was so <laughs> pumped about that. When I eventually did see this match, I was blown away by a couple things. One, I loved the almost Piper heel turn. Where, I don't know if you remember in this match where he's got like the belt or the bell, the ring bell. He's going to yeah, whack he's gonna Bret over the head. No, no. And then he's like, do it, Piper. Do it. You know, and he doesn't do it, and he ends up getting him in the sleeper. Bret Hart does the kick off the turnbuckle and pins him one, two, three. This was also a match where there was blood in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know the story about this, but <clears throat> at this WrestleMania also, Ric Flair had blood. And this was a time when blood was banned in WWE. And Ric Flair obviously cut himself. Like, you could see where he did it. Yeah. And Bret Hart did too, but he convinced Vince that it was hard way. Like, he did it on accident. It was an accidental thing. And Brett, like, says, he goes, you know, you couldn't see where I did it. And he tells us in his book where. He's like, but you can't tell. When I was a kid, I thought it was real. And up until a while, I thought, oh, he got hit with that, you know, the ring bell or the post or whatever. He cut his head open. Yeah. And what's funny is between those two matches, between the Piper-Hart match and the Flair-Macho Man match, I don't think Piper and Hart needed blood. But I think Flair Macho Man did because mm-hmm. there was such like a blood viewer. Flair was like basically I was boning your wife for a few for a oh, year before yeah. you. Yeah, you know, was hot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that match was a really good match and it still holds up. It's still one I can still watch from time to time too. Mm-hmm. And I like before they've got a little interview where Bret Hart is kind of implied that Bret Hart and Piper were like distant cousins. Yeah. So Piper was talking about, you know, oh, back in the day, your mom would make me sandwiches and she'd make me bologna. <laughs> of course, she only made me one, but that's okay. I didn't care, you know, type of thing. A really yeah. great interview. This whole match itself. The one thing I remember from him, it's, it still sticks with me when he's talking about how he's known Bret Hart so long. He's like, I've known you since you were knee-high to a grasshopper. Yeah, knee-high <laughs> to a grasshopper. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh then they're all getting each other's face and you know these are two good guys where piper's trying to have fun and hart's like no this is like serious <laughs> business i want that belt yeah which i like you know you got to have importance for the intercontinental belt it's another first in this wrestlemania firsts as a matter of fact this is the first time these two men are meeting for the world wrestling federation intercontinental title champion rowdy rowdy piper yeah! his opponent <laughs> A former IC champion himself, number one contender, Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, Gentlemen, we have arrived. We we have arrived. You know, I gotta say, first of all, man, I gotta tell you how much I love your family. I gotta tell you how much I love your mom. I know you, I know this guy since he's been knee-high to a grasshopper. I know I remember when they were changing your potty pants. I remember even when of course you were potty drained till he was seven, but ah, everybody's got their problem. Tying, remember tying bows in our shoes when we were kids? Yeah, of course, your shoes were always tied together. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me because I remember when Mrs. Hart used to come down that she used to make them sandwiches, man, throw on that bologna. Of course, only one piece of bologna, but that don't matter. I was hungry. Then she'd come up and she'd go to her little... What is this? Yourself. 
Oh, keep my oh, this is nice, huh? Here I am having a little fun trying to make you at ease. Gonna have a nice con to keep him to yourself. Have a nice contest, and here you want to be a hero all of a sudden, huh? You want to be a hot shot all of a sudden. You want your belt all of a sudden. Is that the idea, huh? Look, all I care about is one thing. I want to win back the Intercontinental Belt. You got it. I'm gonna take it. That's you right. keep your hands to yourself. Let me help you out a little bit, buddy. We can, we can settle our game. Oh, yeah, you damn betcha we can. That boy knew it here when I can have a million people watch me rip your head off. Would have had you. No, you wouldn't have. Oh, th th thank you, gentlemen. Bret Hart on bye his bye. way to the ring. Bye-bye. This should be a classic, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think Roddy, so. Roddy Roddy Piper defending Not against today. the Challenger. Let's get back to ringside. She be mine. Please. Which match did you have after that, or did you have that one and a different one too? Um, well, that's on my Bret Hart list. Okay, yeah. Well, let's go to your other Bret because I got another Bret Hart match. What else is on your Bret Hart list of matches? Funny you should ask. I didn't save it on here. Okay, but I remember there was one. I think it was uh, Euro Rampage, um, Bret Hart and Rick the Model Martel Intercontinental okay. Championship match. It's on the network, or you can try to find it on Daily Motion or YouTube. But I thought that was a really fun match to watch. Was um, he was the model Rick Martel? The model Rick Martel. Okay. Because Bret Hart didn't really go against a lot of guys as Intercontinental Champion. I thought he did, uh, but I think it was more d building up to his WWF uh, title run, championship, world title. Um, but yeah, that one, uh, Mr. Perfect at uh, SummerSlam is on my list too. Mr. Perfect from SummerSlam 91? Yeah, some, um, uh, 91, yeah. That one's a really good match, and that one's when it seemed like Bret Hart kind of vaulted into the main event type mm -hmm. of thing because he beat him the only nitpick i have about that match is perfect gives up before brett fully has the sharpshooter in like that's my nitpick about it yeah. but other than that it's it's good and also what's weird is the coach was his man remember the coach yeah i think what what happened to heenan he he, he didn't he, want he didn't want to manage anymore he just sold him to the coach he sold him yeah <laughs> he didn't want he didn't want to manage anymore he didn't want to be on the road type of thing so he just went mm -hmm. to the coach and perfect was having back problems anyway he was almost on his way out he just gave him the coach manager, which was super annoying, which I guess was his job as a heel manager. But Yeah. And then what else you got for Brett? Th that's it. Just two matches? And I'm, trying, I, to, I'm just, trying to remember off the top of my head now because it's not saved down here. Well, we had the Warlord. We also had uh, Brett versus the Bulldog at SummerSlam 92. Yeah, that was on my list. <laughs> uh, that one is famous for a bunch of reasons. One, it's the main event of an 80,000-seat stadium. Mm -hmm. When they main evented against warrior and savage which is just crazy to think about you know those yeah. two huge icons and here's bret hart and the bulldog and uh i love the beginning of summer slab 92 well, maybe i'll put a clip in here where they got all the people from england talking about it like it's like oh no i think uh brit the bulldog's gonna win whether he wants to or not <laughs> <laughs> and then all the guys bulldog 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 and then in bret hart's book if you guys have never read bret hart's book highly recommended it he talks about how him and Davy Boy had this whole match laid out. You know, they knew all the spots. And Brett's like, the first lockup, Bulldog goes, I'm fucked. He just, I'm fucked. He, he forgot, forgot everything. He forgot everything. So Brett had to walk him through the match. And knowing that, it makes that match that much more, like, incredible. Yeah. As far as how good it was and the emotion involved in it. And that, that one had a kind of a surprise finish where it was a, like a cradle package type of thing where Bret Hart was going for the sunset flip. And Bulldog just fell on top of him. Yeah. And hit the one, two, three. The crowd went nuts when he well, won. They trapped him with the yeah. Legs, yeah. It was a really good match, you know, and it, it's, it holds up to this day. And what's funny is Bret Hart talks about in his book, you know, it's like Bulldog's got his big moment 
It's like, but that was my moment. Like I, I knew it was mine. And sure enough, he's the champion. Yeah. A month later. I wish there were more surprise endings like that. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, you got, everybody's got their setup and you kind of know when the end is going to come. I yeah. just wish like a small package or, or a trapped uh, sunset flip like that, or even that kick off the top rope back like off a sleeper. Yeah. Kick off that and, you know, pin that way. It'd be, I don't know. I'd be more interested in it. When I was looking back at the Intercontinental Championship, there was a because I went on like Wikipedia to like list of champions, and there was like a point, pretty much after Triple H and The Rock feuded over the title in ninety eight ninety nine, like where it was just like they were just like give the belt to anybody. It's like mm -hmm. D'Lo Brown, Test, China, everyone just got it, and it yeah. kind of went downhill. And I don't think it regained its prestige. Until Cody Rhodes, until the old one came back, came back, and that was at Hell in the Cell, the 2011. It looks like, yes. So Cody's at Cody's like in the ring, and this when he was like the grotesque Cody Rhodes. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like he puts the old one in the in the paper bag, you know, because he was covering people's heads with paper bags mm -hmm. at that time during his character, and he's just like, give me my velvet bag and he opens it up and like people could kind of see what it is he goes this is the classic intercontinental like, yeah, <laughs> we love it and when he pulled it out like i felt like well there was a different difference with the white leather versus the old black leather yeah but then going back and watching some of the matches mr perfect had a couple different colors of leather he had a white leather belt uh mixed in and i think a light blue that he might have gotten from warrior yeah warrior had purple yellow yeah and like he did the different straps yeah i like that yeah, me too. And I think the black one pretty much stuck once Razor Ramon got the belt because Michaels HBK had the white leather belt too. Okay, yeah. And I remember before, right, like a week before Cody and like unveiled it, like there was no rumors about it. It was weird. Like he just brought yeah. it back. And my buddy Pat was telling me he's like, they should bring back this white belt. It's so much better. And then they did. He's like, I told you it was gonna happen. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> like he was pumped about it. But that was like a prestige thing for me. Yeah. I know you had some warrior matches because I've got one too. So what are some of your warrior matches for the IC belt? So warrior was a lot of fun for me to go back and watch because I just remember the intensity and just how quick he was and just, I don't know, just like a, a damn bull, like <laughs> pushing people around and not caring about their safety. Um, so the first one that I put on here, it would be his first uh, intercontinental title reign. That was a SummerSlam 1988. Um, Honky Tonk Man had no idea who his opponent was going to be. Yeah, I've got this match down too. Like, yeah. It was supposed to be Brutus Beefcake. Okay. Because then Bruce got hurt. Yeah. But I remember him standing in the ring, and all of a sudden, Warrior's music hits. No, so he was like, I don't care who it is. Give me someone out here to wrestle. Yeah. And then. So Warrior's music hits, comes down, and he beats him in what, like 20 or 30 seconds? Yeah, SummerSlam 88. <laughs> it was a huge moment for the Warrior. And I never really liked Honky Tonk. I don't know why. I just, I don't Nobody know. liked Honky Tonk. I don't know. He had the Intercontinental title. Somebody must have liked him. <laughs> but I never liked him. So I was happy to see uh, Warrior beat him with that. Uh, so as I was going through, I went through the history of WWF, uh, 1989, going through different matches. And there's one on, it's on the network. It's primetime, February 6th, 1989 against King Haku. So I like going through and finding, um, I guess, non-traditional opponents for the Ultimate Warrior at the time. Because it's stuff that, like, I remember going back would be like Hogan, Rick Rude, yeah. Honky Tonk, like those guys... To me, were the ones that Ultimate Warrior faced. So to see him go against King Haku was kind of fun to watch. Um, there was also Primetime, June 19th, 1989, against Greg the Hammer Valentine. And maybe these names don't sound too exciting, but when you're paired up with the Warrior, just, I don't know, they're, they're kind of fun. Like, there's a lot of clotheslines, power slams, uh, a lot of break or rest holds. Like, uh, 
headlocks and stuff like that. Did you like his uh, feud with Rick Ravishing Rick Rude? Like he had like a two-year feud with him? That, that's my favorite feud, yeah. So that was the next match that I put down was SummerSlam 1989 against Rick Rude. When he won the title back? When he won it back. Um, Andre the Giant was also kind of fun. There's one video. I might share the link. Well, I will share the link with you. He comes down and just squashes Andre. It's like a house show. Comes down and just beats the shit out of Andre in, in like 15 seconds. But then there's also another one. It's a little bit uh, longer. Uh, I'm trying to find... I'll, you, get, I'll get back to it. Yeah. When you were talking about some of these uh, matches you found, you're like, these were like matches that only existed in my Hasbro world. Right. And now like, you like, come to find out that it was real matches that yeah, you got to see. Yeah, actually happened. Mm-hmm. The, while you're looking for that, uh, though, the one thing that I loved when I was a kid and looked back, it doesn't hold up as well, but still watch it just for the hilarious participants in it, was uh, the October 4th episode of Monday Night Raw in 1993. They had a 20-man over-the-top rope battle role to determine who the number one contenders would be for the Intercontinental Championship because Michaels was stripped of the IC belt, and I think it was because he failed a drug test, but he claimed he never failed it, so, like... They were yeah, like I heard that story. So here's the men that competed in this battle royal. And keep in mind, when I was a kid, battle royals were, like, amazing. So we've got, here's the participants. Mr. Perfect, Diesel, Giant Gonzalez, Razor Ramon, Bam Bam Bigelow, Tatanka, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, Adam Bomb, Marty Jannetty, MVP, which is the most valuable player, also known as Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. I think that's the second time he's been referenced on this show, that character. Uh, Bastion Booger. The one, two, three kid, Pierre of the Quebecers, Jacques of the Quebecers, Owen the Rocket Heart, Bob Backlund, IRS, Mabel from Men on a Mission, Macho Man Randy Savage, and the model Rick Martel. Going through this list, I just assumed that the Macho Man would win, and he'd be one of the last two people there. But I was watch as I was watching this match, I was looking at like all these guys. For one, this isn't a Royal Rumble, it's a battle royal, so they're all in there at once. So the ring's kind of a mess. It's a long match, it's not easy to get through. But at the end of the match, when they had Razor Ramon, who was a good guy now, in the model, I was like, oh, this is kind of an interesting matchup. Because at the end of it, the last four guys in the match were the model, Razor Ramon, and the Quebecers. So the Quebecers and the model were beating up Razor Ramon, trying to get him out. But what was funny was near the end of the match, when the Quebecers and the model tried to get him out, on commentary, Bobby Heenan and Vince McMahon are like, what happens when the Quebecers get rid of Razor Ramon? They're going to go after the model. And then Bobby's like, no, they wouldn't do that. They would just, they, you know, they'd be on the same team type of thing. Ends up being Razor. All and, bad guys? Yes, Razor and the model win the match. And they have their match the next week on Raw for the Intercontinental Championship. Razor Ramon wins it in a really good match. Their match, the Razor versus the model they had. Razor's the IC champ. I, I love the title on the line type of thing for Battle Royals. I was always a big fan of that. And, yeah. Uh, I still am to this day. But that was another one, like, a little bit of a hidden gem I think people forget about a little bit. But it's not exactly a gem because it's not a great match. But that was still a fun thing for me to watch Razor and the model. Because my dad loved Rick the Model Martel and I hated him. <laughs> so I always loved when the model lost. You love him now? He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> I like okay. his, his uh, Hasbro figure. <laughs> and the Mattel figure? Yeah, I do love the Mattel figure too. <clears throat> so that Andre, I was looking through my notes because here's the thing. I, I got them all numbered. Then there's dates and there's opponents and there's uh, links. <laughs> like everything they have. But the... The Andre match was a Saturday night's main event. So if you look it up on the network, it's Saturday night's main event, November 25th, 1989, against Andre. 
so one of the things that I noticed throughout this the matches... This is Ultimate Warrior versus Andre, by the way, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Rick Rude versus, uh, I mean, uh, Rick Martel <laughs> versus Andre. No, Ultimate Warrior. Um, like, he had he had some sort of beef with uh, the Bobby Heenan because he had uh, Haku. Um, the Heenan family. Yeah, Rick Rude, Andre the Giant. But then there was a couple... Well, Barbarian is, was somewhere, but I forgot I didn't write that yeah, down. Yeah, this is just going great. <laughs> uh, one of the ones that I really liked, it was an MSG show. I don't know if you remember those, because I would read about them in magazines, but they weren't on TV unless you were in New York. Right, I remember reading about those. There was like the MSG network or something. Yeah. yeah, so one of the ones that I found I thought was awesome, it's Mr. Perfect. So we're talking about my fantasy world of Hasbro figures, right? Sure. So I would have Ultimate Warrior and Mr. Perfect, or Ultimate Warrior against... I don't know, Earthquake or whatever, just to make up matches that didn't really happen yet. Um, so there's, if you go online, it's on YouTube. It's the MSG show, uh, March 19th, 1990, against Mr. Perfect. It's a pretty good match. Really? Yeah. Okay. So what's that date again? So if people want to watch that it's, one? Uh, March 19th, 1990, MSG show. Does uh, you have to look by the participants, or is it just the whole show? On the, on the... No, it's just the match. Okay. It's just Ultimate Warrior versus Perfect MSG show, March 19th, 1990. However you want to search it, I can give you the links and we can Let put me them up. Keep talking. I'm going to check something really quick. That might be on one of the DVD sets I have. Hold on. It might be because a lot of these that I, I was reading would say MSG show or, um, I don't know, WWF baddest matches of 92 or 91, whatever. So, well, there were so many different Coliseum videos that it was way more than I ever remember, like my video store having. Because there would be times I would go to the video store to rent them. And I just, these are beyond, like, everything that I would see. All right, so let's look. What year was this? It was 1990. Okay, versus Mr. Perfect. Yeah, March MSG show. Let's see. Well, his, this this Ultimate Warrior, um, the Ultimate Collection Blu-ray set's got a ton of matches on here. Yeah. Uh, Andre the Giant. Yeah, here it is. Ultimate Warrior versus Mr. Perfect. March 19th, 1990. Yeah. Yep. So we could, you could watch it. You don't have to go into the motion. If you have the Ultimate Warrior Ultimate Collection DVD or Blu-ray set, you can watch it. All right. I knew I recognized that, man. <laughs> but that's that's a really fun match that I like watching. Um, so that's kind of everything that I have. i got Hockey Talk Man, Haku, Greg Valentine, Rick Rude, Andre the Giant. Oh, Tully Blanchard was one that I found. So this was a... They would do, like, a pre-show type thing, so Survivor Series Showdown for 1989. Yeah, yeah. It was Warrior, he had his own team, and Tully Blanchard was on the Heenan team. Okay. Survivor Series comes, Tully Blanchard's not with the company anymore, so Bobby subs for him. But I thought this was a really good match. Tully Blanchard is a very good technical wrestler. To go against and uh, Andre, to go against Ultimate Warrior, I thought was, like, just two, like a pairing of two things that just wouldn't work, but it was a really good match. Um, Tully's a guy that... Thanks to this show, I've seen more of his matches. I think okay. you do too. Like when we did the Starcade matches or the gimmick matches show, like yeah. he's always or even tag teams. Like he's always pretty like hard hitting guy. Like he doesn't look that like intimidating until he's in the ring. You know, yeah. he was kind of that that type of guy, like Kevin Sullivan almost. You know, yeah. <laughs> Is this one on there? Do you know which one? It's uh, Tully Blanchard from Survivor Series Showdown, November twelfth, nineteen eighty nine, versus the Warrior. Yeah. Let's let's find out. Because maybe everything we can just you know get from the Ultimate Warrior Blu-ray. Uh, I don't see it. So it's not on this one, but it might be on another set. No, I could check another set though. 
Speaking of unreleased like, matches, there's a DVD set coming out called Macho Man Unreleased, which mm-hmm. I'm pretty pumped about. Yeah. It's not unreleased matches and things like that, because the network's great, but there's so much stuff out there that it's taking them a while to kind of, like, organize and categorize stuff. Like, I'm glad they're bringing on, like, Saturday Night and stuff, but I want the Saturday Night, WCW Saturday Night, where they were in the Disney studio. Like, that was my, like, WCW-like yeah. area. Well, the one that I started watching, I think, was from... I think it just goes from 92 to 93, and I don't really remember too much about 92 or 93, because that's not the set that I remember, because they would just kind of do like a studio thing, like primetime wrestling did towards the end, where Vince McMahon just had like the studio audience, right. and just kind of sat there with a chair. Yeah, yeah, this. that was the, my primetime. And then they too. would go away and say, oh, well, let's go to this match, and then they go to some taped match, you know what I mean? So that's what the Saturday nights were, but... I mean, this is totally off topic. That's, that's <laughs> we're, okay. We're watching, I told you I was watching Saturday Night's, uh, WCW Saturday Night, and it was so good. Like <laughs> It was from the January of 92. This was uh, the Sting and the Vader rivalry, uh, the Ricky Steamboat and the Rick Rude rivalry, the, um, what was Heyman's uh, thing, his group? The Dangerous Alliance. Dangerous Alliance, where he's the CEO. So I've noticed that he's not just a manager. He's he's a CEO. He, so I got a. I just opened this DVD. So I got an <laughs> Ultimate Warrior poster. Always believe. So this is the kind of stuff that I don't know. I have. I would just give away <laughs> if you are a Patreon supporter. If we do that, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, always believe. I can open up this this Ultimate Warrior Brulee, and there's a poster in here. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't know I had this. <laughs> anyway, Saturday night was fun for WCW. Yeah, so I watched that, and then it's like after that ended, it's like starting the next episode is like a 10 second countdown. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> so I watched the second one, and it's kind of cool. Uh, Jim Ross was on. Jim Ross and Ventura were on the first one. The production value was so shoddy until they got to that studio, though. Right. Like, the, it was like one spotlight on the ring and all yeah. that. And like, I hear Austin on his podcast talks, like, I wish they'd turn those house lights down just a little bit. Like, yeah. Not me. I don't like that old style. <laughs> I kind of do. I'm a WWF kid, so I like the big, bright yeah. studio stuff. And that all started, all this, the WWF production stuff. If you go with the production from, like, WrestleMania 1 to 2 to 3, the big difference is that's when Dick Ebersol was kind of helping WWF with Saturday Night's Main Event, and yeah. that's when you would see all that production value stuff. That's where Vince got it from, and uh, that you kind of think, thank or hate Dick Ebersol for that that mm-hmm. change and the different style of, of producing. Um, speaking of production value, this will tie into my next match. It was one of my hidden gems, and I think people remember it, but I think it's slowly fading away. It just happened a couple of years ago. Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz, No Mercy 2016, The Miz's IC title versus Dolph Ziggler's career. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember the buildup for this, but Ziggler was, like, really selling that, like, he was leaving. Like, he was putting on his Twitter, like, here's my booking info. I think he changed his Twitter name to his real name, said, I'm doing yeah. stand-up comedy bits and all that stuff to the point where you were kind of like, oh, well, maybe this is it. You know, he's going to have a good match and all that. So this match was just incredible. Like, I was rewatching it. And I knew who won, but I was still like, oh, that's oh, the end. Oh, no, it's not the end type of thing. Like, yeah. Miz hits a skull-crushing finale. Ziggler does his foot on the rope. But the biggest part... This was with Maurice. Yes, so that was the biggest That was the biggest scare was the end. Maurice was doing a thing where she was, like, spraying perfume in people's yeah. eyes. I'm like, so oh, she, no. So she sprayed it. Ziggler in the face, hit him with a skull-crushing finale. Like, all right, this is it. And the crowd's like, no. He puts yeah. his foot in the rope. The crowd goes nuts. Then there's a part where the Spirit Squad comes out because the Miz was making fun of Ziggler for his original, you know, appearances in the Spirit Squad in WWF or WWE, and they come out. Ziggler super kicks one of them. The other guy gets distracted. Miz again skull crushing finale. The crowd's like, oh yeah. no, he kicks out. Everyone goes nuts. 
He ends up hitting this, a couple super kicks, gets the win. After the ref eliminates both Maurice and the Spirit Squad out, the crowd goes nuts. Now, I was telling you, this should have been the main event of that show. They closed the show with some weird uh, was Orton and, Orton and uh, Wyatt Bray. feud thing, but and that was even for the title at the time. AJ Styles was the champ. Yeah. The reason I said production values, I don't know if you remember when they first hit SmackDown, the hard cam wasn't the straight on. It was kind of like a floating like angled hard cam for the SmackDown shows. They were trying to make it look different. Okay. It was kind of distracting, but I did appreciate a little bit of the difference in it. But anyway, that was just a This was a SmackDown show. Yes. Pay-per-view. This is, yes, which are going away. There's no more brand exclusive pay-per-view, yeah. so we got like five-hour shows again, which I guess if you're going to them, cool, because you're getting your money's worth, but as a fan watching at home, it's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. But I guess... What's there to complain about? You're sitting in your couch, right? Yeah. You don't have to watch it. No, exactly. <laughs> I don't. I definitely don't. So my the rivalry with Dolph Ziggler and The Miz. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler is my favorite Miz opponent. Just, they just work so well together. Yeah. Um, 2014, I thought, is where it started. Uh, Night of Champions um, against Dolph Ziggler. Mm-hmm. So this is the time when The Miz has uh, Damian Sandow with him. They're doing the Mizdow gimmick. Um, they enter the ring first because uh, Ziggler's the champ. Ziggler comes out, but then he comes out with, oh, damn it, what is it, R. Ziggler? He comes out with uh, R-Truth. Yeah. Because R-Truth comes out dressed the same as him uh-huh. and doing the same type of shadow yeah. stuff that uh, Damian Sandow was that, doing. That's with fun. I love so it. they were coming out, and just the way they're coming out and they're turning around, they put their hands over their head, they're both shaking their hips and their like their asses. Yeah. And, you know how uh, this Ziggler is 2014, does. right? Yeah, 2014 Night of Champions. Um, Ziggler grabs the belt and he, he's got the belt plate on his back facing you. So when he turns yeah. around, he spins it around. Yeah, and Ziggler does, or uh, our Ziggler does the same thing, but he's got no belt. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the ring just the way uh, Dolph would just like jump onto the apron, kind of slide in and sit on the rope. Zig- or uh, Truth does the same thing. <laughs> so yeah. everything he's doing is like just funny to me. Uh huh. Funnier than Mizdow, you know, yeah. just at the beginning. But I thought that match was incredible. It kind of set the, maybe setting the seeds or playing the seeds for that rivalry for over the years. Because yeah. when they would come back together in 2016, I'm like, they're revisiting this rivalry again. And I liked it. Then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a fun match. I wish WWE would do more callbacks to stuff yeah. and more continuity. Because I, I think they underestimate how much people pay attention. Uh, because we're in the world now with like some of the biggest TV shows, like... Uh, not lost, but that's old school. But Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or what's the Walking Dead? Yeah, I, mean, I know you don't like it, but well, no one likes it anymore. I love it. Terrible show. I love it. But regardless, there's a lot of callbacks to stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, that's what that all meant. Like, I think that's because especially when people binge, like, y- there is stuff that the WWE could be like planting seeds for and calling back to later. Yeah, type of thing. And I wish they would do a little bit more of that. I think they do sometimes, but there's always like callback stuff for it, you know, and uh, it, it it's something that I think they underestimate their audience a little bit with how much they care or watch. Yeah. Or they don't care to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, another Ziggler match was his match at TLC versus Luke Harper. This is one, and this is in 2014. And this is after he's the IC champ, and it's a pretty hard-hitting match. And it's it's nothing I can talk too much about because I don't really want to spoil it for anybody. But go ahead and watch it. I feel like people are watching it. 2014. Yeah, yeah. They had like a fun fun rivalry. Like it was like when Harper was getting a bit of a push as a singles guy, then he got hurt. Yeah, it was. I liked it a lot. I wish they'd kind of go back to giving Harper a singles push, but he's he had a little bit more of a personality then too. Well, now Luke he's Harper. now he's got a big hammer. 
He's going to big bludgeon, rubber hammer. He's going to bludgeon people. <laughs> what I liked about the Ziggler, I, I don't know. I think I like Ziggler today with Drew McIntyre. But before this period gone back, you know, the past year and a half, like I just wasn't feeling it with Ziggler with the record scratching and not coming out to the music and then coming out to his music. It just weird. I just couldn't get, I, I don't know. The story, the direction with him just didn't seem, I don't know, palpable. Or I just, Are you seeing I, all the memes of like they're doing with Ziggler and no, McIntyre? Uh-uh. So here, like, it's with HBK and Diesel. Okay, yeah, yeah. So those are, those are pretty like funny. Dudes with Attitude yeah, 2.0. Those are, yeah, those, they, they did a t-shirt. Dudes with yeah, Attitude 2.0. But I really loved Ziggler 2013, 2014. Just loved him. And that, yep. I mean, the crowds did too. I mean, I'm not the only one. So his... The, when he would come out as a whether the world champion or the intercontinental champion in those years, the crowds were just insane. And, and he kind of bit too. Like he was the last survivor in that Survivor Series 2014 match when Sting debuted. Mm-hmm. After getting destroyed, he came back and won type of thing. So that he he was getting to push there. Yeah. Like something happened. He just kind of fell off. And in 2016, I felt like it was half there. Like the people that really liked him back then still liked him, but then people that were kind of new to it weren't behind him all the way and. I think he got too whiny, like about his always losing to the Miz and this and that and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where he fell off. Yeah. But I love the Ziggler Miz. With another hidden gem, and this is one I begged you to watch, but you didn't. I didn't have time. <laughs> was Rey Mysterio versus Chris Jericho, Extreme Rules match, Extreme Rules 2009. Well, I did watch uh, Rey Mysterio Montaza on uh, Lucha <laughs> a couple of days ago. How was that? It was good. So is Rey with Lucha, or is he just like a free agent? He was. I looked at the info like when it was recorded. It was recorded like a year ago. <laughs> I finally found Pop, the station Pop, so I can watch Impact. Nice. Now. I didn't know. I was like, show 96. There's no HD version of it. I'm like, oh, I can watch it. Yeah. I wanted to watch Rosemary's. I like her a lot. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, I used to I used to record it, used to watch it, then I would record it and not watch it. So then I have like five or six episodes. I just started deleting them. So yeah. then I just took it off my DVR altogether. And then they did something with Redemption. I'm like, they're really they're starting to bring me back now. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start recording this again. So I recorded it Thursday. I'm going to watch it. It was like the fallout from Redemption. Sure. Was it good? You didn't watch I it? I didn't watch it yet. Okay. Uh, the other Sorry in, about that. No, uh, it's fine. Segue. <laughs> the, yeah, no segue at all. The Jericho, Ravis Terman, this is when Jericho is like dickhead heel, like best in the world at what I do. In a suit? Yes. Punch okay. Shawn Michaels' wife in the face. <laughs> Bar breakfast. Yeah, like there was like, I forgot like how big of a dick he was. Mm. So they have the match. They've started the match and Jericho's entrance music hits. He's not there. Then you hear his microphone. Like, I'm up here, you idiots. And he's at the merchandise stand. And of course, me, I'm like looking at all the merch. I'm like, ooh, yeah, what's yeah. shirts are only 25 bucks back then, 2009. And he's got a Ray Mysterio Max. He's like, he's, they sell these, and this is hypocrites, and blah, blah, blah. He starts walking down the seats to get to the ring. And of course, the crowd's going nuts, like, yeah, trying to jump in the camera. One guy touches me, goes, don't touch me. Like, says it like dead serious. The guy's like, yeah. whoa. Someone else touched me, don't touch me. I will knock you out right here. I'm like, oh my God, he's actually going to do this. It was just a. Hard-hitting match, and the ending I'm not going to spoil because it's really, really clever what they did. So mm-hmm. go back and watch it. But I'm watching this match, and like I remember being good. It starts off not slow, but like this is just a regular match, and then it really picks up. Like they do like crazy hard-hitting moves. Ray Mysterio does like some innovation stuff with the chair, and it's really, really good. I, I recommend going back and watching it if you get a chance. All right, yeah, I'll check it out. I just didn't have time last night, and then this morning my uh, schedule was full. <laughs> Yeah, right. Going to the gym. Yeah. Looking for Funko Pops afterwards. No, not doing that at all. The other one I had was a more recent one. was the WrestleMania 32 ladder match mm-hmm. where 
Zack Ryder won. And I think everyone remembers that moment, but I don't think they remember how, like, the moves they did in this match, you know? Like, Sami Zayn does the, whatever it's called, the full Nelson suplex on the Owens through a ladder, and, like, <laughs> Kalisto does flips, and, or is that Sin Cara? It's Sin Cara, right? Yeah, because Kalisto. Kalisto. Yeah, no, it's Sin Cara. Is Kalisto faced Ryback on the pre-show. Okay. And he's, and Sin Cara's, like, all white, and what else happens in that match? That's crazy. Uh, Ryder does the broski elbow off the top of the ladder. Yeah. And, and this got such awesome, crazy spots in it. I thought for sure Owens was going to retain. And then when Ryder won, I'm not like a big Ryder fan, but when he won, everyone's like, hell yeah, good for you, Zach Ryder. Like, super pumped. Well, Miz almost won. Yeah. Like, he was out there, and I, I could just hear the booze. Because people were like, <laughs> anybody but the Miz. Yeah, because he's had it like 20 times already. <laughs> yeah, and then Ryder comes up, pushes him off the ladder. It was yeah. it was a really good match. And So when you were in that arena, yeah, was the whole thing like, woo, woo, woo? Like, was everybody woo, woo, woo? woo. What, he'd won? Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. I did it. You're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Everybody's woo-wooing. Even I did it. It was even, even the people outside were woo-wooing. Yeah, even I did it. It was good. Yeah. Uh, Ryder's got a new elite figure out. Have you yeah. seen it? The American one where he did it at the Great American Bash versus yeah, Rusev. It's like a combination of Sting and the Ultimate Warriors ring gear from their mm-hmm. USA stuff. I like it. I'm not going to get it unless it's like on sale, but I like it. Yeah. I wish it was a, a cloth jacket instead of a rubber jacket, though. Yeah, I mean, some of the cloth ones are, I mean, it just depends. I mean, some cloth are better than rubber. Rubber is better than cloth, depending on what it is. You, you're the expert more than I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other one I wanted to mention was the WrestleMania 31 ladder match where Daniel Bryan won. Again, just a lot of crazy spots in this match. And this has got an interesting atmosphere because it was during the day. So that's kind of funny. Like they're they're squid. It's like a different feel when the the sunlight's out and you're watching the match. So I like that one too. WrestleMania 31 ladder match for the IC title. Who won that one? Daniel Bryan. Oh yeah, forgot about him. And that was the end where him and Ziggler were headbutting each other at the end. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was good stuff. I remember that now. Um, the goat. Not Chris Jericho, the goat. No, no, the actual like little goat, whatever JBL would call him, the flying goat. Yeah, that's right, flying goat. You got any other IC matches or anything like that? Or uh, champions or anything? Yeah, Mr. Perfect is one that I remember, like, just right now, if you ask me who's the best Intercontinental Champion, like, back in the day, I would say Mr. Perfect. But then it's like, why? Is it because everybody says that or is it because I really felt that way? So I think I felt that way. So I would started going back and looking at all these matches. And like I told you before, I went through a bunch of them. <laughs> so it, it, Superstars, I don't think this is on Network. Uh, May 19th, 1990, they did a tournament for the Intercontinental Championship after Ultimate Warrior beat Hogan. Yeah, yeah. They Warrior had yeah. to relinquish the Intercontinental Championship. Right. So you can go online the Intercontinental Championship uh, tournament. There was a bracket, and, some, and at the end it just came down to uh, Mr. Perfect and Tito Santana. I didn't realize how great Tito Santana was and watching this match. I'm like, Tito's pretty good. And then I was looking at all the live events that they did, like house shows. And it was just him and Tito, him and Tito, him and Tito. So that by the time they actually do something on television that's recorded that everybody can watch, you know, they kind of worked out the kinks. This wasn't El Matador yet, was it? No, not El Matador. Just regular Tito. Yeah, just regular Tito. The one that was probably still pissed off at Martell from uh, Strike Force. Somebody said a while ago, if Martell ever gets inducted in the Hall of Fame, Tito should come out and attack him. You should. (laughs) Just knock him over the uh, podium. Continue that feud, the Strike Force breakup (laughs) feud. That would be awesome. 
That'd be a good callback. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're, we we got ideas here on the Pause yeah. Dilly Processing Podcast. So that match is on YouTube, but there's another match that's on the network. Uh, Saturday night's main event, uh, July 28th, 1990, Tito Santana. Really good match. I uh, recommend that one. Um, he did wrestle a lot with Texas Tornado. I wasn't a big Texas Tornado fan, but after watching a couple of these, they had pretty good matches. It's probably because Texas Tornado was missing part of his foot. Couldn't walk too well. <laughs> I don't think that's it. He just reminded me too much of the Ultimate Warrior when he came out. He had the fringe boots. He had, yeah. He he did like the rope shake. He had the same type of hair. It was I don't know. I liked his theme song. What was it? Let me play it. I'll look it up on YouTube <laughs> real quick. Yeah. So I thought they had a pretty good rivalry. Uh, they had a match on was it at uh, WrestleMania or SummerSlam? But the one that I put down was from Superstars, December fifth, nineteen ninety against Texas Tornado. That one's really good. And one of the matches that I found, um, kind of like the fantasy hat, it comes the tornado. Well, yeah. get that guitar, Jim Johnson. I like it. Speaking of themes, Nakamura's new theme. Heard yes, that? Yeah. Isn't it awesome? I love it. I mean, let's play it here. And I wasn't even aware of why they changed it i just thought it was awesome but then i think Corey says oh they added the rap to it so that people stop uh, you know singing the tune <laughs> it's called shadows of the sun yeah Let's see here. i love like the guy rapping in japanese yeah This might be the new intro song to our show. <laughs> it should be. Here's the thing about him. The heel turn, the low blow, the smirky, the no English. Like, he's such a cool asshole. And then adding this music just makes his everything just so much better. And then I look back at what they did with him. Like, NXT, he was just kind of like the, the silent badass. And then, uh, you know, called up to the main roster. He was just kind of whatever. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this new Nakamura. Like, yeah. I hate him, so yeah. it's good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> His gimmick's basically punching AJ Styles in the balls. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the the, <laughs> the low blow. Yeah. And then he just leaves it there, just so you know like, that <laughs> that's oh, what happened. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you were talking about Mr. Perfect, and we went off on a tangent about theme songs. Oh, so one of the matches, this is like my Hasbro fantasy match. After you kind of replicate what you've seen on TV, so, okay, you got the the... The Hitman and the Perfect. So you do that match like a hundred times <laughs> when you're playing. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to throw in a Jake Roberts. So sure enough, I found this. It's on WWE Network. Uh, Super Tape 3 from January 91 against Jake the Snake Roberts. Two guys that I just really loved as a kid. Like, I get to see them, like, fight. You know, so that, yeah. was, that was a fun match to watch. Um, another one, Hasbro Fantasy for me, was... Uh, Hasbro Fantasies. Yeah, that's what I'm calling that's our, that's our That's going to be our sister show, Hasbro <laughs> Fantasies. <laughs> Mr. Perfect against uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. It's only on YouTube. I don't know if it was... It says Maple Leaf Wrestling, so I don't know if that was a channel or if that was the name of the event or whatever it was, but it's Maple Leaf Wrestling, January 25th, 1991. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, incredible match between them two also. Um, I think that one goes a little bit long maybe like 10 to 15 minutes so that's that's a fun watch um one another one that i came across was perfect against Shawn michaels not the one from SummerSlam, like 93 or 94 whatever that was 
This is against Sean S-E-A-N Michaels, like Rocker Sean. That's awesome. So that was cool to watch. And then to watch that match three years later, you know, against the Heartbreak Kid. Uh, and then I just have the SummerSlam one with Bret Hart. Which we touched on already. Yeah. Yeah, there's obviously a million more matches we could talk about in a million different reigns and everything. Mm-hmm. So let me, I mentioned earlier that I, I felt like there was a point when it died off. And I'm sorry, guys, I, I'm battling a cold a little bit, so sorry if I, my voice is a little off. That's kind of when they changed it, right? It was like The Rock and then Jeff Hardy and then just kind of everybody. I hated it. that Godfather old, had it. I, that old, not this one, but the one before this one, the Intercontinental title, I hated that like that one. oval, ugly. Yeah. Hey, did you like it? No. <laughs> Good. List of IC champs. Here we go. Yeah, there's a title history. So Pat Patterson, Ken Patera was the first one. Tito Santana, Greg Valentine, Tito, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, Warrior, Rick Roots. These are like big names. Yeah. Mr. Perfect. Red Hart. And I think what worked with that was the duration that they were the champion. Like, they were a champ for a year or two, or, you know, even 10 months, not three weeks. Razor Ramon, Diesel Razor Ramon, Jeff Jarrett. Bob so, Hart. from Pat Patterson to Ramon, how many years was that? Because that's only like eight guys so far. So, Pat Patterson was the first champion in 79. Okay. And then Razor won it in the, for the first time in 93. So, about 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, and then let's see, let's see kind of where it falls off here. Uh, Gold, Gold was a good IC champ too. He had the gold uh, strap. Okay, remember I remember that? that. Yeah, he he was a few with Razor Ramon, where it was like basically something they could never do today, where he was playing on Razor Ramon being a homophobe yeah. to do it type of thing. And uh, Ahmed Johnson, Mark Merrill. I remember being so pumped when Mark Merrill came to WWF, and then like just crashed. Yeah, like that's Johnny B. Bad. Yeah, so we've got Triple H, Rocky, Maivia, Owen Hart, Steve Austin, Owen Hart. That's around the time it started to fall off. <laughs> it, it fell off, so Triple H won Midian, it. Did Midian get that? <laughs> I feel like Midian was a champion. No, so Triple H won it at the SummerSlam against The Rock in the ladder match. They need to vacate it October doing an injury. Ken Shamrock won it in a tournament final, and that's kind of when we're like, because then we've got Val Venus, Road Dog, The Godfather, Back to Jeff Jarrett, back to D'Lo Brown, Edge is there for a sec, China, Chris Jericho and China were coal holders. <laughs> Did you say Jeff Jarrett? Yeah. Um, her angle was the Eurocontinental champion, <laughs> so if you remember that, he had the European title too? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then it kind of fades off a little bit, and then they retire it because they Triple did? A, well, because remember they did the brand split, and the world champion went to SmackDown. So then the IC title was the main belt. What year was that? Because I don't remember much of that. 2002. Oh, okay. I think. I could, I could find out for you here. I just remember renting, like, Raw versus Yeah, it was SmackDown. 2002. October. Even though I didn't really watch that much, I remember those games. And from those games, there were guys on the roster that I had no clue who they were. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's just it just kind of falls off. And then, you know... When Cody brings it back, let's let's see where we're at in 2011. After Cody brings it back, so he brought it back in October of 2011. So him and Big Show had a rivalry, then Christian, then The Miz, then Kofi, Wade Barrett, and The Miz. Yeah, Curtis Axel. They tried to push him as the next thing. He's Mr. Perfect Son. I think it really took off again in 2014 when The Miz was the champion. 
because Wade Barrett had it, Bad News Barrett, and then he had to vacate due to an injury, and then July 20th, 2014, the Miz won it in a battle royal. Yeah. And then from there, it's been pretty much all big stars. I watched that battle royal so good. I think there was 19 or 20 guys. I found it on YouTube because it was like a pre-show for WrestleMania 29. It would have been 29. 29 was the Miz versus Wade Barrett for the title. You talking about the the, it was the, no, the battle, no battleground? I think it was okay. You talking about where the Miz won the title? Yeah, yeah, it was battleground. Yeah, so he was on the outside. I forgot who thought they won. I think it was Sheamus thought he won it. Uh huh. The Miz just jumps in, <laughs> just <laughs> runs it. Everything he could do is just like a chicken shit yeah. <laughs> to win the to win the match. Yeah. So so it looks like we've got a big drop off from ninety nine to twenty fourteen. It's a long time, but they yeah. they get it back and. With Rollins being the champ now, like that's a big deal because he's a main event guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But I'm, I'm looking, I'm excited that it's back. I think it's the best looking title in WWE now. Yeah, maybe the is. UK belt's a little better, but or or the new NXT North American. North American. But for the classics, give me the IC belt all day. Yeah. You got anything else to talk about before we wrap up the show and go try to watch this greatest Royal Rumble? Um. Any other thing? Well, for Shawn Michaels, I guess I'll throw out a couple matches that um, you can go find on YouTube. All-American Wrestling um, against the Rocket Owen Hart. I thought it was a really good match. That's yep. uh, from uh, August 8th, 1993. And there's another match that I really liked. It was towards the end of Shawn Michaels' uh, Intercontinental Run in 95. Uh, Monday Night Raw. Um, that would be September. I'm looking at 9-11. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, September 11th, 1995, against Psycho Sid. Incredible match between those two. Okay. Especially for a Monday Night Raw. And, and for Psycho Sid? <laughs> well, Psycho's, yeah, for Sid and Raw. <laughs> that was a good match. And then it just all comes down to, you know, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Yeah, so I, those are a couple of good ones that, you know, aren't, I guess, that popular because they're not a WrestleMania or Royal Rumble or Survivor Series. Type. Right. Yeah, so that's kind of it on those. Who's your? I think you said this, but who you got to pick one Intercontinental Champion as the best ever? Who is it, Mister Perfect? <clears throat> okay, I think I'll go with Bret Hart. Okay, because he made it to me. It seemed like that's just a personal thing, but Bret Hart was top notch yeah. for me. Well, it's also the first ones we watched. Who was the worst? I don't even know. Okay. Pedro Morales. <laughs> um, Godfather? No, but Godfather is cool. You're right. D'Lo? <laughs> yeah, I guess D'Lo. I'm looking at the list here. I could have swore Midian was. Maybe he was the, inter- the European champion. He was the ECW champion. I got the winner here. Ezekiel Jackson. Terrible. Ziggler was up there for a good IC champ, too, but he's a better chaser than a champ. Yeah. Hey, who knew CM Punk was the IC champ? Good for him. Once? Yeah. And then he lost to JBL. You get to go to All In for the big show? Coming up here in Chicago? I mean, I heard tickets were going to be as cheap as 25 bucks. so That's yeah. what Cody said. Yeah. He said, yeah. And there was rumors that they were like going to be overpriced. He's like, that's total BS. Mm-hmm. We pulled some below market. I'm well, they're not for sale yet, are they? No, there's a press conference on May 13th, which I'm sure they'll announce all the ticket stuff. Yeah. But they're going to need a few more stars, I think, to push it over the top. Because right now they've got stars, but these are the same people that were at that uh, 
War of the World or War of the World show or whatever. Yeah. With ROH. <coughs> which was in just like a villa park, which is a suburb like Brick Center, basically. Yeah, I saw Britt Baker's going to be there. Um, Chelsea Green. Yep. Jay Lethal. Um, Stephen Amell. I think he was announced early. Yeah. I mean, I'll go. Who's one guy that would be like, okay, besides, is there anyone besides CM Punk that would be like, all right, now we got to get there? No. <laughs> I guess cause they've got everybody else, right? Yeah. We'll see. Maybe if Daniel Bryan, <coughs> there was a rumor with that. Well, that was before he was cleared with WWE. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. My voice is gone, guys. We're going to wrap the show up this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the tweets. Thank you for the follows. We're at PPW Podcast. Give us a follow. Give us a tweet. We will talk back and forth with you. Thanks for all the interaction, guys. Anything else, Eric? No, sir. Let's watch some uh, Greatest Royal Rumble. All right. We'll see everybody next week.